Tonight, we're finding out what happens when you put a Klingon in a cowboy hat. It's Trexticles. Welcome to Trexticles, everybody, the podcast about Star Treks by a couple of Star Trekkies. Uh, I am, of course, as always, Pat Ryan. With me, uh, as also always, is the lovely and talented Jake Fitzenrider. Jake, how's it going, buddy? Oh, it's going great. An extra emphasis on the lovely. Yeah, well, I, lovely person. you are pretty lovely. Mm-hmm. I, couldn't, I wouldn't attempt to take that away from you. Uh, tonight, we've got something really fun for you. Uh, it is a holodeck episode of TNG, uh, which, if you've ever seen any iteration of Star Trek, something's going to go wrong and they're going to be trapped in it. Uh, that, that's not a spoiler alert, necessarily. Um, it's just, yeah, talk about uh, a technology that is just so unrefined. Yeah, it's made, well, the only reason I think that they even created the holodeck is A, to make all sorts of crazy stories and make everyone wear crazy costumes, but at the same time, I think that there's a serious problem here in that if the holodeck worked yeah. fully functional, it would be pretty much the end of civilization and advancement. And we've talked about this in an episode. Yeah. That, um, somebody, I wish I remembered who it was, but somebody fairly famous said that, uh, that, you know, something, virtual reality on that scale will be the last invention that we ever invented. Right, as so, kind of a, we just kind of give up on everything because we can live out all of our fantasies and our dreams in this little make-believe box. Right, and I think that's that might be part of the reason that they make sure that it breaks every time. Well, I, I also I'm feel like a lot more credit because it's clearly just for uh, to advance the narrative, you know. Oh, sure, but I, I feel like uh, when you look at TOS, they did something very similar almost every other episode, which was time travel or put them on a planet that happens to be full of Nazis and all this other stuff, where they can put them into these stupid scenarios. And exactly. at least in the case of the holodeck, it acknowledges the fact that like. Okay, there's no way this could happen, and it's not entirely historically accurate, but here it is. Mm. So, right. uh. It's a very similar. I mean, the end result's very similar, actually. Yeah, and, and since I haven't said it yet, the episode we're gonna be watching is called A Fistful of Datas. That is season six, episode eight of Star Trek The Next Generation. First time it aired was the 9th of November, all the way back in 1992. So happy twentieth anniversary, uh, just about. Uh, <laughs> I gotta give uh, gotta give the writers a lot of credit for coming up with. I mean, Star Trek's been rife with terrible, terrible puns, but this is mm. one of the worst. Obviously, this is, I, I really I love this episode. If they'd um, only done the, the follow up of for a few data's more. Exactly. Yeah. The good, the bad, and the data. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you could probably do better than that. I don't know. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, just more like data-themed movie episodes that take place in the holodeck would be just fine by me. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it sort of follows that trend where whenever they have the awkward characters in Star Trek, they look for any excuse they can to put them, you know, give them funny accents or say funny words or wear funny costumes. No matter and if that's... the holodeck or whatever it is, they always do that. And this is, has a double dose really, with Data and Worf. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I feel like they actually played Data in a really cool way in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll oh, see yeah. once we start doing the commentary here that uh, he malfunctions a little bit and kind of gets jacked into the the hardware in, or I guess the software in, in the holodeck, and he becomes part of the, the fantasy going on between, uh, you know, the, like, the, the ship malfunctioning, the holodeck malfunctioning, and Data's brain being stuck somewhere in between. You get an awesome episode where Worf has to be a cowboy playing out this fantasy situation with his son, who is, I feel, the worst character uh, in in this particular Trek series. Um, he's definitely up there. But, uh, he serves I mean, he so serves little purpose. purpose. Okay. okay, well, we just totally went in opposite directions there. I feel like, on the whole, though, any episode he's in is is entirely unnecessary. Well, the, the whole—I think the only reason that he exists is to show Worf what his—I I don't want to say human side, but you know his human upbringing, that side. Sure. Of it. and it's, 
it's always just like, oh, look, we can make him feel really awkward now. But, yeah, and and that's definitely brought to to very clear light in this episode. Uh, so what we're gonna from have the, from the jump, basically. Oh yeah. So what I'm gonna have you guys do now is pause the podcast, get yourself all set up. This is all on Netflix. Uh, if you've got Netflix streaming, or if you've got the DVDs or whatever, just just pause us for a minute, and then we are going to come back, and then we're gonna start watching this episode. And it's going to be lovely. So, three, two, one, and pause it. Okay, unpause. Okay, it's unpaused. Can we press play yet? Uh, no, we can't press play yet. I'll, I'll let you know. Uh, so, yeah, get, get your finger on the play button. We're queuing it up right at the very beginning. As soon as the episode started, you should have hit pause. So we're pretty much at a black screen. Uh... And this story is going to pretty much hit us in the face from the get-go. So, um, yeah, now, Jake, are you all you all ready for this? Yes, sir. And so we're going to be hitting play in three, two, one, play. See, I almost wish that I knew how to say things in, like, correct star date. Or at least have a watch yeah, that I reads it. Is there actually a correct start date? I know that there actually is a system to it. I don't know what it is when I jokingly do it. I will just list the numbers of the the month, the date, the year, and the time, just in numbers in a sequence. Hoot, hoot, hoot. I love uh, that he's uh, he's got the... This is actually, he's playing the Resican flute from the very famous, very award-winning episode, The Inner Light. Yeah. Uh, now that we get more of a close-up look at it, and we see it, it's it's pretty much just a penny whistle with a tassel on it for now. Yeah, <laughs> and and I like the idea that it's like an instrument that can be whatever he wants it to be, mm. and it looks just cheesy. Like it's clearly metal that air passes through. I don't know how the thing is changing, but it's also futury. Oh, I, see, I I think I always I assumed that he was he was just changing his, uh, the backup track. <laughs> Not necessarily what he's playing. I thought he was changing the backing track. Well, what you'll see here in a sec is he he asks the computer to change instruments. Right, but I thought that was just what he's playing uh, with. Oh, well, maybe you're right. I'm not not sure. Not the actual flute, because the flute still sounds like a little penny whistle. Now, here's something that I also... What's the gray uniform, anyway? I was actually just about to bring that up. (laughs) Uh, If you notice, also in the 2009 J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie... Mm -hmm. uh, Kirk also wears an alternate command uniform where instead of it being yellow, it is a dark gray. And and that only happens for a brief moment. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know why why that is, but it actually looks kind of hardcore on him. No, I agree. Maybe it's the, uh, like, the off-duty. Yeah, like the shore leave outfit. Yeah. <laughs> God well, forbid they're without onesies. That actually makes a lot of sense because uh, they're, at a, they're at a place right now that we'll find out in a second where they are. Mm-hmm. Shore leave, more or less, you know. Yeah. See, this just makes me think of, like, anytime they think of Star, I think of Star Trek and Shore leave, I think the trouble with Tribbles. Right, right. Only because that that's so iconic of how Shore leave only goes wrong if you're on a spaceship. Well, I like the, uh, the Shore leave, the early, one of the earlier Shore leave episodes, I think it might actually be called Shore leave, mm. of TNG. I love this, where he just gets more and more frustrated this time. Yeah, people just keep showing him. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) You Klingon bastard. (laughs) Yeah, I love how his door doesn't have locks. (laughs) Here's my game boy, sir. (laughs) I challenge you to pokey battle. Mr. Worf. <laughs> All 151 Pokemon. Oh, that, that was a little bit Bane. I'm sorry. Oh, that really? Maybe we'll, do you really think the Wharf would have caught them all? I don't think so. Oh God, yeah. I but think it, he would have gotten frustrated. <laughs> Wharf's too old school. He would not have gone to the trouble of getting a misting note. <laughs> have you seen Michael Dorn these days? No. He's actually really skinny. To be honest, I haven't seen him in those days either. Oh really? I don't know what he. I don't know what he actually looks like. He was a little bulkier back then. I mean, obviously he's showing his age as as everyone in the show is because it was you know twenty five years ago. Except Patrick Stewart still looks about the same. He still yeah he still looks like a total pimp. I mean I just saw him post on Twitter 
uh, earlier today, it was just like a picture of him on a beach drinking scotch and soda. Hmm. Like, what a life. Oh, God, this fucking kid. What is he playing with? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm really curious now what he's supposed to be playing with. Yeah, see, I, I just, like, I don't understand why they had to give him, excuse me, a, a son. Like, I... And I know that's a stupid thing to be hung up on, because they, they've done this all over the Star Trek universe, is throwing in things to kind of turn a mirror on a character. Right. But it seems like Worf's entire oh, purpose was to have the mirror turned on him so we could see the human side of the Klingons. Oh, but the hat looks so good on him, man. Oh, especially at the end. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, if, when he's looking in the mirror with the cowboy hat on. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and even uh, when they're on the holodeck and, and he's in the full garb, like, dressed like a, a cowboy. He looks pretty tough. It doesn't look as ridiculous as it should. Right. I don't, I don't know what that means necessarily, but, like, if you just told somebody this concept, they'd be like, well, that's... <laughs> this is going to be dumb. You see it, you're like, oh, okay. Really yeah. I, I do think, however, it looks very silly when he's in, like, his Starfleet uniform wearing the cowboy hat. Mm. I don't... Well, maybe it's just because I've been living in Alabama for two years, but I don't think the cowboy hat is ever... A bad decision. Yeah, you've been there too long. There is no excuse for wearing a cowboy hat unless you're an actual cowboy. The only only excuse I have for not wearing one is that they're expensive. (laughs) Neil Stetson is like a couple hundred dollars. Oh, yeah. I would have one by now because they're awesome. Uh, I agree to disagree. I have no desire to... I can't even wear a baseball hat and look like a normal person. You can't not wear a hat and look like a normal person, so... You know, <laughs> to be honest. What? <laughs> no. You don't look like a normal person. Oh, okay. Not, I get it. Yeah. Oh, that's jokesy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get it? I do. I do. I'm uh, I've already gone, what, about four or five minutes, and I haven't even compared this to uh, Living in Harmony from The Prisoner. Oh. I know that's going to come up a lot, and you're going to want to shut me up about it, but I didn't think I could go this long without doing it. Yeah, I didn't even realize that there are actually parallels to it. Uh, Again, if you haven't seen The Prisoner, uh, you guys should definitely watch it. Uh, Once this podcast is done, find it. It's probably on Amazon or at your library or something. It's just it's really worth a watch. Oh, Corncob Pipes. I actually saw. Knows. Hmm. Speaking, uh, of, speaking of Alabama, actually, about two weeks ago, I was driving mm-hmm. and I pulled up alongside somebody. I looked over and he was smoking a corn cob pipe. Really? Not kidding. And wearing cowboy hat. Actually, <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah, the little boy looks like a douche, though. And, and maybe it's just my hatred of children, but like I kind of want to hit that kid. <laughs> The ancient West. I love that. Is yeah. it like, is it a rule if if you're like petitioning to write, like, oh, you're submitting a script to a Star Trek show? Do they be yeah. like, well, first question, do you have a hard on for the old West <laughs> in the 1960s? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> you're hired. Is that how producers talk? Uh, I picture it's all like old Hollywood land and vaudeville. All right. All right. You gotta be in the pictures, son. here's a bit of dialogue that I just don't like what (laughs) he's talking about Jordy kind of growing a beard and you clearly cannot see a beard on Jordy right now that's okay if I don't shave for two or three days you clearly can't see a beard on me god if I don't shave for a a month you don't notice anything android I'm sorry (laughs) Here's another one of those sad things where, like, Data isn't sure if he knows if he's a human or a part of, or, like, a piece of equipment. Hmm. Like, just little nods like that always kind of make me sad, because I, I totally feel for that character for some reason. Where it's just like, ah, oh, you're so close to being just a person, but then you're not. Hmm. Well, he's going to turn into more than just a person in a minute. Yeah, he's going to. I mean, more fake, fake person, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I read you. 
Oh. I also like that they acknowledge on here that there's difficulty settings. That and in his child's fantasy, there is a whore. Well, you remember how you you were like when, when you were a kid, right? <laughs> Nothing like that. I didn't understand the concept. Really? Of whores? When when you were that age, really? See, there there was there was the that was the hint there. Mr. Barclay helped a little. Oh, okay, yeah. Ex- that explains it. Except I would Did anybody on the ship actually that. like Barclay? I don't think so. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, racial stereotyping. I was going to say I like that even uh even in their quote-unquote ancient west mm. you know stereotype filled land there's still uh you walk into the bar and there's still a Latino guy and a black guy, and they're just all just chilling as equals. Oh yeah, like I, well, I, see, you I you can know. write that off in this show because like people in this day and age really don't understand uh, racism within your own species. Right. They definitely show actually... it with other species out there, or different alien races and all that, but you don't really see it so much on the human side of things. Mm, and I think that's why they threw it in there because I mean, actually, it's completely you know, anachronistic, mm-hmm. that you would have that kind of thing going on. But, you know, it, I think part of the point is that, oh, by then they just, they either don't realize or they don't care. Yeah. Like, they're not going to bother programming in something shitty, <laughs> like racism, you know. Yeah. Instead, they program in things like murder. Hmm. Sakes alive. <laughs> I actually, I... I do really like the actor that's that's playing the outlaw in here. <laughs> the, the fact that he's frozen, falling backwards. Mm-hmm. Well, it's too easy. <laughs> no, what you need is, like, Worf walks into the bar with, like, just a huge Klingon blade. He's like, there's the bad guy, and then just, like, slices him. <laughs> there, no, I've okay. won. <laughs> It's actually I didn't I didn't even think of it till just now, but mm. I think it's an interesting little take on the Klingon society and personality that the kid comes up with a you know the holodeck thing and it's a yeah. straight up combat situation. It's you know the, oh their I see what you're saying that we're gonna come in and beat the shit out of people. Oh, it wasn't yeah. hard enough to beat the shit out of them. We need to make it harder to beat the shit out of them. You know, <laughs> even a little kid. So you're you're He's, implying that it's like kind of. Uh, like kind of built into his DNA that he needs a good fight. Yeah. Like that sort of Klingons you know, want a good fight, want a good war and respect right. the battle, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or at least respect, you know, competition and physical prowess. You know what I mean? Yeah. I never would have thought of that. That's actually a really, really good point. Uh, by the way, that was a subtle jab saying that you don't usually have good points. That's a lie. Right. I, <laughs> That's okay though. Yeah. I go for uh, I go with the shotgun mentality. If I say enough, <laughs> one of them's gonna be good. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's actually one thing I like about Worf's kid is how what? matter of fact he is with stuff like this. Though that wasn't that wasn't hard enough. Difficulty level four. Where are yeah. they going? Oh, they don't want to get hit by bullets. <laughs> like, you know, it's just he's yeah. Well, and I think he's also trying to get just like that sort of little kid, my dad can beat up your dad, seeing how tough his father can be. Oh, totally, yeah. (laughs) It is also kind of cool seeing a character like Worf as a Klingon who is built for battle, reasoning things out and being like, I'm placing you under arrest because you broke a law. Instead of just being like, eh, fuck you, stab. No, he doesn't quite understand how to play along. Yeah, and and he does a lousy job all the way up until the end when it, it's kind of like that hero story of like, oh, I finally understand why I'm supposed to be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> okay, this is what, what, what was bad the, what was fight choreography. <laughs> The sideways um, fist punch? Poncho, pon, no, Pancho Villa over here. Uh, yeah. Has a shotgun. Yeah. 
and uh, as soon as Worf turns to face him, his first reaction is to push the table out of the way between them so he can get punched <laughs> in the face instead of just maybe shooting him well. over the table. <laughs> oh. And a thief. <laughs> oh, check out that fancy gun spin. Yeah. And then here is... One of the few times in the series when I think Deanna Troy is attractive. Really? I'm so hot and cold with her. Like, there will be times when I look at her and I'm like, go on. I think she's pretty much hot the entire way through. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes she just looks frumpy. Well, it was uh, the early 90s. That was kind (laughs) of the look. Yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, again, I just I wish that every like I would totally be down for uh, a cowboy scenario of Jordy and Data. I love the oh. stuff when they do Sherlock Holmes mm. with Jordy and Data. Like, just if they, this show was about nobody but those two, I would be entirely satisfied. Oh, it would be good. Yeah, I, I love the little twitch that Data does whenever something's wrong. Oh, that sort of like <laughs> sideways head cock. Mm-hmm. Looks like a confused puppy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, though. Jordy is a in a cowboy situation. I just can't. I don't know. I can't see that. I yeah, can you're see right. Warp makes a lot in a more cowboy sense. Situation, but I can't see the character of Jordy doing that. <laughs> eh, maybe you'd switch between that and reading Rainbow and just start explaining what would happen mm-hmm. in the Old West. Mm-hmm. I am biting my tongue so hard here right now. <laughs> Oh, man, look at the hair on that chick in the background. That is... Like I said, it was the uh, early 90s. Yeah. We still hadn't recovered from the 80s. <laughs> check that out. Okay, see, that that's kind of sweet. Mm. <laughs> they have the most dysfunctional hardware on this ship ever. Execute him. Let's do it. And that does not know how to shuffle cards. <laughs> He's not even... He just still hasn't got it yet. <laughs> What's he doing? It's like when a, a little kid sees card shuffling and they just kind of mash them together. He's supposed to be all like slick, like old right. school, you know, rip about gambler. And he's just... Yeah, he should be tossing the cards from hand to hand and shuffling them at the same time like magicians do. Exactly. No, he's all like, I know you're top. <laughs> oh, foreigner. I think it's time for some 52 pickup. <laughs> it's another thing. I want those, I want some fucking real cowboy boots too, but they're ridiculously expensive. Uh, well, buy yourself a holodeck. You can have whatever you like. No, well, I'm <laughs> sure a holodeck would probably cost more than a Stetson. Look, I don't know the pricing on these sort of things. Well, I'll give it a few years for the technology. <laughs> I'll buy a first-gen holodeck once I just realized comes out. Troy is dressed as Briscoe County Jr. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's slightly more attractive. Well, arguably, sure. Like, come on, she's hot, you know. But then again, I mean, I thought that Tasha was hot, and you wanted to smack me. Really, in the face Lieutenant? For that one, so. Yeah. Oh, that oh, yuck. Oh. She's so mannish. No, no, she's not. Because <laughs> she has short hair. Just because she has your haircut, <laughs> circa like 2004, doesn't mean that she's mannish. Well, I was super manly back then. Well, yeah. Yeah, point. it's fallen off significantly I since take. then. I actually was very confused because I pulled up uh, to, I believe it was a liquor store, but um, yeah. I pulled up, there was a store next to it, and it was like a, uh, it's like a little uh, doctor's office, or like a psychologist's office or something, and one of the people listed on the door was named Tasha Ray, and <laughs> I was, <laughs> I got really, I literally like, stared at it for about 30 seconds, I was like, I, well, <laughs> 
I was kind of like, can I just pretend that I'm crazy and book an appointment with this chick? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Dr. Yar. Uh, it's Ray. <laughs> yeah, whatever. No, it's Yar. I'm going to call you Yar. <laughs> I think it's super weird that they're implying that Worf has had a relationship with this chubby old whore. He said, I will not be able to come this evening. I'm sorry, Worf. <laughs> that's, that's too bad. <laughs> Poor if I was warp. with her, I wouldn't be able to either. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, slap. slap. That was the worst slap ever. It seems so dainty. Thank God they had the sound effects. Well, I'm assuming that you, no matter who you are, if you're staring at Michael Dorn in full makeup, you don't want to hit him, even if it's <laughs> in the script. That's true. Like, smack. I'm so sorry, sir. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, then. With his Earl Grey tea. Whenever I see that, though, I think of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, when Arthur orders tea from the replicator mm. on, on oh, the yeah. Heart of Gold. It mm. tastes, like, similar but not entirely dislike tea. I imagine that's what tea is like mm. on, on the Enterprise. I thought you were gonna make comments on the pot of flowers, actually, over there, but yeah. All those no, I... probably fake. That's really, oh, that's the only criticism bot. I have there. Oh, yeah. Sorry that they didn't get real sunflowers for you in the <laughs> 24th century. Well. All right. And why do I feel like that's set tape on the floor there behind them? Oh, yeah, it's, it's gaff or electrical tape, clearly. All right, so you don't think Troy's hot? Uh, R looks like a man. Uh-huh. Are you attracted to any of the females in this series? Uh, certainly not Beverly Crusher. Really? Oh, God. It, it, I no, feel like no, if I, I were I to touch her, her, her skin would, would feel like third. lizard skin. I would put her at third in the race of who we already talked about. Okay, is, about is Tasha Yar number one for you? Um, it really depends. Uh, probably on my mood and how drunk I am. I'm not sure, but... I don't know. Right. I mean, Counselor Troy would probably be number one, but I, I don't know. I have a thing for Yara. I like, oh, the, if her character didn't piss me off so much, yeah. she'd be number one. If she was just, yeah. I don't know. I, you're, you're right. She's like, what? Deanna Troy is probably the most attractive. Mm-hmm. And then, um, what's her name? Cole Meany's wife, Kiko. Keiko? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, she, she was okay looking. Not great. But can, can I just really quickly, why was Riker wearing that silk robe? Uh, he was practicing poetry, I think. Oh, good enough. But he, he looks good a lot like uh, Lindsay What's-His-Face from Fleetwood Mac. Lindsay Buckingham. There you go. Mm-hmm. Nice. Speaking of shirt. women that are unattractive. Not Lindsay Buckingham. Uh, I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> I've been wrong all these years. <laughs> I always thought that was so funny. The lead guitarist was named Lindsay, and it's mm. a guy. Yeah, and then well, the, the lead singer's name is Stevie, and it's supposedly a girl. Yeah, I mean, more or less. <laughs> Doesn't quite sound like it, but that's okay. I see. I'm always kind of wondering about the the physical space within the holodeck, mm. how they can be separated so far, and they can't be any more than like. 30 yards away from each other, physically speaking, but within the sequence. uh, Like, multi-direction treadmills. Like, I just kind of do that and then hand wave all over it. (laughs) Okay, I can see that for moving, like, on on a flat plane, but when you're going Mm -hmm. up and down, if there's stairs and stuff like that. I I have been on treadmills that can go up and down inclines. Interesting. Oh, there we go. Spiner with a mustache. Oh, no. Spider actually has a really... decent southern accent. He does, actually. It's pretty convincing. Better than mine. I've been down here for two years. <laughs> um. I swear Spot is never the same cat. <laughs> like, somewhere Data just keeps killing the cat and brings in another Spot. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like, the other like... people. Jordy keeps switching it out. He's like, no, Spot's just sleeping. Uh, don't worry about it. 
meanwhile in the in the hull or the the cargo hold in the ship there's just like boxes of cats. <laughs> they should have actually showed it where he's like, you know, like loading, you know loading petting program one two eight point four. <laughs> like the first time Having around, he just one two eight point four too hard. <laughs> we'll try again with one two eight point five. Spot liquefied. Trying again. Exactly. <laughs> that darn cat. Uh, oh, what? What was that? That's funny. When my computer uh, malfunctions, it doesn't like talk to me in funny accents. It just stops working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'd make much less compelling TV. No, That's excellent. why you and your computer don't have a sitcom. If my error messages turned into crazy voices, though, that'd be fantastic. See, that's something I wish error messages would speak. Y'all got the wrong video card there, <laughs> huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, see, that's something the hackers need to get on. Like, don't have it ruin anybody's computer. Just have it really surprise people with very loud voices. That would be fantastic. Eh? Oh. Why, why did they? Yeah, why, this sounds so you know stereotypical or sexist or whatever. Why? Why her? Why did they have her be the blonde bartender chick? I don't understand. Uh, what do you Is mean? She like why didn't why didn't they get like someone? Uh, well, you An- would say another they crew never member, hired an attractive female. But why didn't they get an attractive? Female well, because it's this it's role? the old or the I'm sorry, ancient West, ancient West, ancient. Whores were a little rough around the edges back then, I assume. Oh, yeah, I don't know. from experience? Sure. You know this. <laughs> yeah, uh, Pat Ryan, time fucker. Uh, <laughs> I go back in time, find whores. Uh, I think you wrote, you've written books about that, actually. Uh, not about the hooker, right? Pat Ryan has Pat Ryan, and Pat Ryan fucks whores. <laughs> <laughs> in the ancient West. That's going to be my, my biography title, actually. <laughs> Pat Ryan fucks whores. I could really go for some Klingon fire wine right now. <laughs> Is that what they're drinking? No, she laughed. Oh, okay. When he ordered. Oh, he ordered. I sorry, look, looked away for a sec. Now, how weird would this be if, like, someone that you know and work with was just somebody different and, like, they wouldn't break character to be like, all right, yeah, no, I'm in on this, too. Because, <laughs> like, going through Warp's mind, I would have to think, like, oh, he's playing the game now, too. Like, he just hopped into the holodeck and was like, oh, sure, I'll, I'll be a bad guy. But then he, he knows because they tried to pause the program earlier. So and he it, knows yeah, and it didn't wrong. work. See, the, the holodeck would be a great place smiling, for Lord to hide. Dude in the background. Uh, the stereotype? Yes, it is just the most pure and glorious yeah. racial stereotype I've seen on this show in a it's while. got a hell of a mustache, though. Like, this episode really features some award-winning mustaches. Yeah, I can't wait till I'm old enough to grow one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when you're older. Oh, he's trying again. Why are you trying again? You know it's not going to work. Brent Spiner had to love this episode. Really any time that he got to... Or like even when he played Lore and was mm. able to, to show his emotions or, or the one episode oh, where Data becomes human. It's uh, funny because is... he almost gets to overact. Right. But, not, I mean, I, overact's not the right word, but you know what I mean. He gets to play into this sort of melodrama that is the complete opposite of his character for, like, you know, the fucking nine years that this show is on or whatever. Right. And the thing is, he is actually a pretty good actor. Like, he's oh, got absolutely. great comedic delivery. He's got great everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the pre-show, I, I showed Jake that, um, and, and what I had read is he actually got this role through a part on Night Court where he played this sort of doofy redneck. And Doofy? <laughs> yes. I've and never heard that word before. He is actually very funny. Like, he's oh. got this wonderful delivery, and he, he plays it off as being such a quirky character, and that's such a departure when you look at Data. Mm-hmm. But in this episode, as as you're going to see, 
data keeps showing up in different places is more or less the same personality. It's cowboy, bad guy type. But mm. like you get to see him really kind of flex his his acting muscles a little bit, and and that's kind of fun yeah. to see. He's actually got well. I really think most of the people cast in this series, with I hate to say it, with the possible exception of Tasha Yar, uh, have some really serious acting chops. Just oh sure, in general. Obviously, you know, obviously Patrick Stewart. And, yeah, you know, but Levar Burton. I think obviously. Frakes was always great too. He was able to go. He could be lovable. He could be a hard ass. Like he, he yeah. actually nailed a lot of the performances. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. You're gonna hate me for this. No, uh, I, I don't. I don't know about Will Wheaton until he got older. <laughs> okay, no, I no, I'll give you that. Wesley Crusher I, I think was, he was awful. a pretty terrible young child actor. I think he got very good later. I think. He oh, absolutely. But um, oh, but that's okay. I'm sure I was much worse as a child actor, <laughs> assuming that I actually acted. You know, right. you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Ability wise. But he, here's where I, I finally can't help myself, and I have to bring up mm-hmm. the Prisoner episode, Living in Harmony, because oh, this, so much, as much as the the overall theme is different, yeah, the like the concept and the characterizations are so, so similar. Mm-hmm. Of you have a hero that is well, in this case, you have two heroes, I guess, in Troy and Warp, yeah. but you have the heroes. Knowing or knowing or suspecting that something's wrong, but not being able to figure out what, not knowing what to do, so they have to play along. They don't know how much they have to play along, and like or where it's, it's just end. so. I don't know. It just strikes me as so like, if this wasn't intentionally a reference to that, I think that it was a subconscious reference. But you know. Oh sure. Well, and and I a lot of shows, not steal, but I guess borrow. Ideas oh, yeah, from other I, shows, yeah, and and I don't I, think I that's don't a think bad that thing. That would, yeah, I don't think that that counts as like plagiarism or anything. Oh, I mean, of course on, not. I'm a no, musician. No. Do you know how many songs I've written that have the same chord progression as every other song ever written? Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. I don't, I, I don't believe that something like that is necessarily. I think that that's just influence, or maybe you know, absolutely. Maybe, you know, maybe in all my. Uh, uh, Homage. I don't know how to say that word. Homage. <laughs> Homage to, uh, you know, the past. But it's all, you know, but it's also similar to, obviously, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up. That... Okay, that was just rude data. <laughs> I like that Picard's getting slowly more formal, too. <laughs> now he's well, at least he's got a different on, shirt on. But it's, it's not buttoned up yet. Look, he's on shore leave. You're lucky he's wearing pants. Mm-hmm. If he just walked around in, like, a smoking jacket and slippers, that would be awesome. <laughs> I agree. Oh, There's the shuffling stuff. we wanted. See, I think that... What's I up never, with his arms, I noticed though? that before, but I think maybe that's why they showed that character sucking at shuffling cards earlier. That makes a lot of sense. The draw to the... Par- I, but I didn't notice that he sucked so bad the first time. That was a... That was a yeah. I'm sorry, but I actually giggle every time that that Brent Spiner delivers any of these lines from any of these characters. <laughs> now, as a genre, are you so? Do you enjoy westerns? Mm-hmm. Yes and no. Okay, um, that was one thing I was going to bring up is that I love that, and I totally, totally dropped the ball on this one because uh-huh. I actually was going to look up who's. Uh, who scored some of the music from this episode, and I actually couldn't, uh, like, I didn't say, uh, I didn't see it on Wikipedia, I didn't see mm. it on uh, Memory Alpha, I, like, I didn't see who scored it, but whoever did score this did a great job, because... That was going to be a, my first thing. Yeah, I'm a big I'm Sergio a, Leone fan. Oh, yeah, I'm not a huge Western fan as a movie genre, but sure. I love some of the classics, obviously, but one of the things that always stuck out to me as a musician and uh, composer and everything like that is uh, Ennio Morricone's scores. Yeah. Uh, for all the Sergio Leone, you know, like all of his classics, you know, and the obvious ones are the good and bad, the ugly. The, of course. 
you know, all the famous stuff, but in the ecstasy of gold, all those famous pieces and mm-hmm. whoever scored this did a really good job of. Well, I, I was even reading in, in some that. of the notes on this show that, um, the musical cues in this episode are very much inspired, uh, if not with a wink and a nod stolen from, uh, a fistful of, do- or for a fistful of dollars. Oh yeah. And they, there's a good, uh, couple, well, it's basically just his style as a, any of Morricone's style in general, yeah. but um, some of the, like when there's the dramatic pause and all of a sudden there's the Spanish guitar flourish and things like that. Yeah. Those are totally trademarks of his style. And he has been, um, you know, uh, really one of the most influential musical composers and especially movie scores mm-hmm. in history. And I love whoever, you know, put together the music for this episode, did a really good job of sort of teasing at it and hinting at it yeah. and nodding at it without just ripping it off. Right. Was, I was really, really impressed with that. Yeah, this this episode definitely nails the feel of what a Western is and all that other stuff in, in a way that still feels very much Star Trek by right. nature, just mm-hmm. by bringing up... Like, it's able to share themes throughout mm-hmm. with, like... Uh, an unlikely badass sort of hero who's just kind of playing like playing the game right. just, just like to get it over with or in the case of for a fistful of dollars just to get the money and get out of town sort yeah. of thing and you know i i wouldn't call this a great accomplishment in westerns by any stretch of the mm-hmm. imagination but it's a really fun exploration into the characters as as all holodeck episodes are oh yeah i agree and well one thing that's interesting with the war character here is mm-hmm. that you know, between Worf and the Man with No Name, and also the uh, Toshiro Mufune original, you know, the yeah, the, the Kurosawa films, that right, were pretty much ripped off by Sergio Leone. Absolutely, originally. they were. And I say ripped off in the nicest way possible. Yeah. But you get that Man with No Name character, and it was always just this guy with no allegiance. It was always an outsider, yeah, mistrusted but respected, very powerful. And the Worf character in this in this uh, episode. Is just a weird mishmash spin of that, but yeah. he really has, surprisingly he really has a lot of the same characteristics. Where it's like he doesn't he doesn't care yeah. about the the details of these people's lives. He doesn't care about the drama and the politics. He's just like, I want this done. I'm going to get this done. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting that coming from such different places, they were able to you know spin very similar characters out of it. This is kind of cool too, seeing Data using one of the voices from within the uh, the scenario in there, while well, having would, like that stark face. And I would wonder why he, um, as his himself on the ship, mm-hmm. doesn't catch on to the fact that he's doing something weird like that. I know he's malfunctioning, but it's like yeah, he recognizes that, that he's malfunctioning. Would be like, oh wait, that was weird. I just hocked up a loogie and spit in the plants for no reason. Right. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. But I suppose he runs on software, so if right. the software is programmed incorrectly, none of that seems irrational. Like it's just whatever he's being told to do in I set parameters of a situation. You're you're better at suspending your disbelief than I am. I guess. <laughs> My weird thing about this uh, whole exchange mm-hmm. and much of the later part of this episode is that uh, Counselor Troy's character, she never seems quite as freaked out by everything. No. And, and really the only like, thing that... kind of like laughing the whole time and you're like, you realize that you, you, the holodeck's malfunctioning and you might die, right? And she's kind of like, eh. Yeah, but part this. of me has to think that she's kind of digging it. Like the... The action, the adventure, and even the danger, because she said that she kind of grew up watching cowboy films, mm. which is interesting, because I don't know how cowboy movies made it to Beta Z, but... Well, that's okay. I well, suppose in the future that, we'll all just you know, share uh, information. Well, so Wild West films apparently made it, uh, lasted 500 years, so or whatever the fuck it is, 400 years. What? No, I mean, like, 
that this is still something. Oh, that, oh, that even the genre is still a thing. I right. I thought you were saying specifically like, oh, they're saying that this film still exists. Oh no, no, like, no, 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 no. I, I mean the yeah the the genre right. as a whole. Okay, right. But that's just that's sci-fi in general. That right. Whatever's cool when it's made is still going to be cool when it takes place, regardless of how ridiculous that sounds. Yeah. You know. I would imagine that 400 years from now, there would be a wide variety of very, very interesting historical scenarios. Yeah. It would be more interesting than this to them because they were more recent, but because we... And especially all the scenarios are Earth-based. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, what about a big civil war that happened on it's some other planet with some other species. Like right. you would think yeah. that would be more of a Vulcan Romulan thing would probably be awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've written whole books just about those issues. Like that's right. As far as this universe goes, that is a significant piece of history. Like that is, mm-hmm. that would be what the discovery channel played or the history channel played instead of world war two documentaries in this reality. Now, I don't think the history Channel's ever going to stop playing world war two documentaries. <laughs> I love that they got to film data come peeking out of like twelve different spots. Yeah, that must come have been a fun day for okay, Spiner. Now you got to come out of here with a gun. Cut. Okay. <laughs> I like the idea that they did it all at once, where they just like kept making him change costumes and run over someplace so they could just get all the shots. Because everything I imagined about Hollywood is true. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I imagined. That was great. Now get over here. <laughs> Hey, look, Dana can be racist. The accent seems completely unnecessary. (laughs) Don't even think about it. You'll Um, also notice that the, uh, on the ammo belts, not only did they reroute the, uh, the little tricorder badges mm -hmm. into uh, a manageable force field, but they keep the Federation logo on the belt. (laughs) I don't understand why they're all I guess just to pay uh, tribute to the old westerns but everybody's yeah. fanning other revolvers like that and I'm just like oh, yeah no, that, no, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I try to like I, I've seen so many westerns and so many people flipping guns and doing awesome tricks like that is the mm-hmm. least functional thing possible oh, yeah. here's a good way to misfire your weapon at yourself right. Yeah, I've never, I've, I mean, I've not fired many guns mm-hmm. that often, but I know that fanning a revolver like that is a great way to waste six bullets and then die. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it does. Uh, Uh-oh. Oh, they're trapped. Still stuck. I like your leather pants, though. Yeah, those aren't bad. You know, for for as much as they may not be a huge Troy fan. Oh, Jesus Christ. You probably like her better than Troy, don't you? Uh, yeah, Spiner in a dress. I mean, he yeah, showed some serious thinking. skin there. There was actually, um... Why is it that every episode I admit that I want to bang a dude? I I, I am straight. Um, I'm just really Mostly. open-minded. <laughs> yeah, most more or less straight. Kiss him. There needs to be a Data Wharf kiss if that's not already written in a bunch of fan fictions already. Mm-hmm. There we go. And we're back to reality. There actually was a quote in the, uh, in something here, the special crew profile, mm-hmm. uh, things where, uh, Brent Spiner says that as much as he loved playing all the villains in this episode, he was kind of upset at how homely he ended up looking as the female bartender. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fantastic. Yeah. Well, and that's something I love about all the interviews that you get from the TNG cast, is they all kind of knew exactly what they were doing. They knew that it was fun. They knew it was funny. They had a good sense of humor about themselves. And apparently on set, they were bare, just barely able to contain themselves. Like, they were just oh, having yeah. a good time and being silly. Mm. Which is amazing. That's what I want out of a, a sci-fi franchise. Oh, totally. Well, you know, in the original series, they... You know, they all kind of hated each other and were fighting for the spotlight. And then in this right. one, they're all like, really? buddies. We're in, we're in Star Trek. Why are we doing this? Yeah. You know. Uh, 
Well, they actually said, and this makes a lot of sense, that I forget who it was. I think it was, uh, actually, I don't remember who it was now. I'm sorry. Uh, that said that can, uh, attributed a lot of the success of the series mm. to Patrick Stewart. Not because of just his acting abilities, but yeah. because they said he's the only reason that anybody on that set actually took it seriously and actually tried and, you know, yeah. learned, practiced their lines and took the whole thing, you know, moderately as a serious seriously. endeavor. Yeah. Right. And, and as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I love that shot of mm. Worf kind of playing to himself in the mirror. Well, you never see him smile ever. No, but you kind of get that little like that. glimmer in his eye of like, yeah, yeah, that, that was kind of badass. Like that's, um, yeah, I don't know. I just like that little, again, that, that common theme throughout Star Trek of humanizing non-human characters or, or humanizing robotic or emotionless or, you know, name your inhibiting factor. Right. Just getting that little glimmer of humanity has always been such a, a defining thing for Star Trek for me. Oh, well, totally. Obviously, even from day one when it was started, it was totally, uh, Roddenberry was so, uh, I hate to use the phrase that sounds so offensive, but mm. so up his ass with how yeah. much it was just human, humanistic. You know, humans are the shit, basically. You know, yeah. There's, something that we have that is uh better inherently than which is why perfection even logic or whatever it is you know perfection in so many forms you see it in androids or you see it the logic of the vulcans or the militarism of you know the romulans or the klingons like there's always like we are better because we're human yeah they're that recurring theme of just exploring the different ways that we might be better or you know is uh that's, I mean, that's kind of really when it comes down to it, almost the whole mm. entire series. There you know, eight series and 12 movies or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't, know, don't I sound like an expert right now? Yeah, no, it's probably 12 or something, a baker's dozen it's Star Trek. Right? Uh, but there, and, and that was something, uh, you were, you were bringing up how human centric the Star Trek mm. universe is, oh, which yeah. is why I actually, I uh, have been thinking a lot about your idea that we did on the Treculations episode uh, from two weeks ago, um, right. where you brought up the idea of, like, well, let's kind of explore what the Federation is instead of just, like, here's a human fleet. They're from mm-hmm. Earth. There's a couple aliens, too. Yeah, there's one. There's the token. There's got to be a token. Yeah. Token Vulcan or a token Klingon or token, and that cyborg comes off as a little android. bit. I keep saying cyborg. I know that that's all right. If any real Trekkies are listening, they're going to want to punch me in the face. Android, android, data is an android. I I would argue that uh, seven, seven of nine mm-hmm. would have been a cyborg. Yes, because yeah. she was still human and mm-hmm. robot. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but I I do like the idea of looking further into it and and not just having the oh here's this extra alien. Isn't that weird? On a, yeah. a crew full of humans. And yeah. I would almost like to see that the other way around, where you have like a, a big ship full of folks from all over the galaxy and the one human who's just like kind of overwhelmed by the idea. Right. Well, because it is a complete reversal of fortunes because you always see the alien or the whatnot that's completely overwhelmed by yeah. humanity. And to see, because you could, you know, and you could still actually, you could still make it so. Uh, make it humanistic so. And, huh, you like that? <laughs> That's uh, funny. No, make it uh, very humanistic, very yeah relevant by, I mean, imagine following the Klingon uh, sort of version of the Enterprise, just a ship that's out doing, <laughs> just wandering around doing shit. It would just look like an anger management meeting. Right, but <laughs> you still have the same sort of problems. Oh, sure, yeah. different different set of protocols, but you'd still have different, you know, different people, well, different Klingons, um, yeah. you know, with different viewpoints, figuring out how to deal with it, how best to, you know, and it would, I think it would still be very interesting, actually, mm. because it'd still be the same problems and the same, you know, possible solutions, but you just have a different set of cultural yeah. ideas, and I don't know. <sighs> I just think that it's so... It's almost not fair that 
they build this amazing, amazingly deep universe, and then and then they only, only stick see with it humans. through our own eyes. Yeah, you know? and I, I think that's the part that kills me. Is like I, I want a captain that is not a human. Yeah, like oh, totally. I like that. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, just, I really that's want the, the thing next thing that wouldn't show happen in the in the. I, I don't know the right word. I would say modern, but in the the Federation that we've seen, that probably yeah. wouldn't happen. Which brings up a whole new host of issues, yeah. really. You know that that's why I would pitch my idea like I did because that would, you know, um, you know, in the next generation, especially in the original series, you wouldn't, mm-hmm. there wouldn't be, yeah, a captain that wasn't human. You know, I mean, you know, Spock was. Uh, you know, he a lot would of be Vulcans acting hated captain. him for being in the Federation. Yeah, a lot of Klingons hated Worf for being in the Federation. You sure. wouldn't have a non-human captain, and that um, in itself, I think, brings up a whole host of sort of political and all sorts of psychological issues, really. With and and maybe everything. that was on purpose. Maybe they liked mm-hmm. the the, and I'm sure that was on purpose. Is the isolation of mm-hmm. a member of a race who's been kind of kicked out of their own. Um, kicked out of their world i mean especially if you look at Worf, because whenever you see interactions with other klingons they're like whoa look at the betrayer here a big man on the Mm -hmm. human ship sort of thing right and Mm -hmm. he always has to do something that's like super aggressive or like something to prove that he's like no i'm i'm still a klingon i'm still pretty tough but i just like this is where my allegiances are right just because he happened to be abandoned and you know, adopted by human parents. Though. Right. He didn't even make the choice, though. At least, at least Spock made the choice. But I don't, I don't know. I just think that there's that, that I, I, I don't know. There just seems to be a huge hole in the canon here mm-hmm. for, to see what really happened to all these other races and how they really are. Cause it, it seems that they're usually, even the one, even the Vulcans and the Klingons that are explored pretty well, yeah, and are treated, you know, as equals. Mm. They it seems in the bulk of the series and everything, they're still treated very one dimensionally. Vulcans equals logic. Klingons equals yeah. military. You know, and um, it would just be. I, I feel like it's almost doing a disservice to not explore them in the same. Well, way that they've explored human can, but at the same time, we're human. So yeah, obviously, and so we're easy to relate. It's just curiosity. I'd like to see how the rest of and it see is. going back and watching a lot more of Enterprise as much as I do hate mm-hmm. on that show. Uh, I mean, I don't hate the show. I just criticize it very harshly because I feel like it's not the strongest. Right. Uh, within the franchise that hate on it. right, mm-hmm. but they, they get the closest to actually getting your mind into the Vulcan culture. Yeah, they were. I think they were sort of trying, and they they, they might dance around it so well, which yeah. is almost a shame because I don't want them to dance around it. I want them to just kind of dive headfirst in and just be like, "Hey, we're gonna do like nothing for two episodes. We're gonna do nothing but do parliamentary procedures of the Vulcan community." Right. And, and that would be Sorkin. fascinating to me, yeah, and I'm yeah. sure for a lot of other people out there. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you're already dealing with a huge fan base of massive dorks, myself yeah. included. Oh, yeah. So it's not like you have to worry about, oh, my God, <laughs> that's, that's not, that doesn't have massive appeal. Who cares? It's yeah. Star Trek. No geek has <laughs> ever complained about the expanded universe of anything. Right, exactly. So. Well, I didn't like that show where they expanded on how uh, <laughs> the Romulan parliament worked. Like, no. Right. We would, we would all love that. Oh, Totally. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, just so you guys know, next week we are going to be looking into uh, the inner workings on the Starship Voyager mm-hmm. uh, with a little episode that maybe you've seen before, maybe you haven't. It's called The Voyager Conspiracy. So if you want to watch it ahead of time, we're going to be uh, talking about that one next week. And By I'm, the inner workings, I just want to say you're talking about the inner workings of Jerry Ryan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I would like to... Something, something, she's hot. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, if you want to check us out on the web, we are available for download on the iTunes store. Just go to the podcast and look us up under Trexticles. That's T-R-E-K-S-T-I-C-L-E-S. If you're looking for us on Twitter, you can find us at the symbol thingy, Trexticles, T-R-E-K-S-T-I-C-L-E-S. And for our show webpage, you can find us at battleplanetpodcast.com slash Trexticles, the same way I keep 
spelling it. And if you've got any questions for us, any episodes you want us to watch, any topics you want us to cover, uh, I did what Jake said, and I got trexticles right. at gmail.com. So Spell please, please, please shoot us feedback there. Uh, yeah, you, uh, send us links to any stories that you've read, any stuff that you think is interesting. Heck, send us a fan film if it's actually decent, because I've, I've seen Call way too much. to maybe watch it. Yeah, we, I might check that email. I think uh, I will, actually. So, uh, yeah, and if you want to follow me personally on Twitter, I am at the bad Pat Ryan. Jake, do you have anything to, uh, press if you want to put your, put your name out there any further? Uh, it's so tempting, but no, I'm going to stick with all this show press. I like that. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, take any of the thunder away. I will show. take all the thunder so, at the bad yes, Pat Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for myself, Pat Ryan, and for Jake out there, live long and prosper.